Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. Today, we're talking about those inevitable moments when you're really hard on yourself, when you have that negative self-talk, when you're not kind to yourself. Now, if you think about kind of the conventional wisdom of what people say at those times, one great piece of advice that people give around this time is treat yourself the way you would a good friend. And that's what we're really going to unpack today. That advice, treating yourself the way you would a good friend. I talked to a bunch of different people about this advice to ask them if they had ever received it and to ask them how it worked for them, how they implemented it, how they felt about it. And I wanted to go over some of their reactions. One person said, you know, when I received that advice, it was like a little light bulb went off and I realized how really hard on myself that I am. And so it was a little bright light of warmth. It was a great idea. I, I liked the revelatory nature of it. I didn't actually do anything with it. I didn't try to talk to myself like a friend would, but I really like the warmth of the idea and recognizing that I really was kind of hard on myself. Another person that I talked to said, you know, I really don't like that advice. I don't think it's good advice because if I'm having a hard time, maybe for my friend, I would say, hey, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. And, and put my arm around them. But if I'm having a hard time and I hear myself tell me that, I kind of think that I'm discounting my emotions. I'm like, no, I'm sad and I'm going to be sad and it's okay. I can have my feelings. I don't need for everything to be all better right this minute. And so I find myself kind of wanting to argue with myself if I treat myself the way a good friend was would because it's like I'm discounting my emotional experience. Another person said, you know, sometimes I do notice that I'm talking to myself really negatively, and so I'll actually talk to myself in third person. Like, well, Natasha, you didn't get to the laundry today, but you did make a veggie tray and you took your kids to the park, and that's good enough balance for today. And so using this sort of third person calling yourself by name helps to ease the the beating up that we do, ease the negativity that we do. It might not be what a friend would have said to you, but it is something that is a specific skill that this person used. I like that idea. Maybe it's just easier to be nicer to yourself when you're using third person. Another person I talked to really liked the phrase. They thought it applied to good parenting too, where we might talk differently to our friends than we would the way we talk to our kids who were home with all day. One other person that I talked to said that when they would try to talk to themselves and actually implement this and talk to themselves the way they thought that a good friend would, they would kind of end up arguing with themselves. Like, I can see what you're trying to do, but this isn't going to work. Or, I really don't deserve this right now. Or, it's not going to be okay. This stinks. And so that argument inside their heads ended up making it not be a really useful tactic or useful skill for them. The other thing that was interesting is that one person said that whenever they tried to use this, you know, talk as as you would to a friend, they kind of felt judged. Like, oh great, not only am I feeling bad, but now I'm doing it wrong. I'm talking to myself wrong. And so they ended up feeling stupid that they were treating themselves so badly. So they just felt like they couldn't win. 
even when they were trying to be compassionate to themselves, trying to talk to themselves as a friend would, it didn't work out because they felt badly about not having been able to do it well in the first place. Here's a few ideas for how to make that work a little better, how to be compassionate to ourselves, how to treat ourselves as a friend would. Some of this is taken from the work of Kristen Neff, who is a researcher in self-compassion. She is the self-compassion guru. She's got this lovely soft voice. She has meditations on her self-compassion website that you can listen to that is that kind voice and draws up that kind voice when we don't have it ourselves. So she has a couple of different suggestions for what we can do. First of all, try using a diminutive like, honey, you're going to be okay. Honey, it sounds like you're really having a good time right now. My professor at Harvard, when I was taking a resilience class, would call herself darling. Darling, that lecture really didn't go well for you, did it? I'm glad that that's not the only lecture in your life. There's going to be other lectures. It's all right, darling. So using some kind of a, a cute, sweet name for yourself is something that can help you to feel more compassionate towards yourself. Another thing you can do is to speak in third person. Instead of saying, I'm so, call yourself by name, by your first name. Leanne, it sounds like you're having a really hard time right now. This is a difficult thing for you. It's okay. Everybody has difficult things that are going on. You're not the only one who's going through difficult things. I think we can be a little bit kind to ourselves right now. So calling ourselves by name kind of distances ourselves and almost makes it like we are our own friend, speaking in that third person to ourselves. It's easier to imagine us um, saying it to ourselves as though a friend is saying it to us. Another thing that you can do is instead of talking to yourself as you would a friend, actually imagine your friend going through the situation and then out loud say what you would say to them. Kristen, this is what's happening. I can see that you're really having a hard time now. Have you noticed that all these other things were going on and that it makes sense? You're in the middle of A and B and C and of course this is what's happening. It's normal for someone to feel this way. So it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. You've got support. You're not alone. Lots of other people are feeling these kinds of things. How can we work together? How can I help you? How can I support you? How can we be kind in this moment? And then you turn that around to yourself to say, oh, I can say that to myself too. In Kristen Neff's work in self-compassion, she always uses these three guiding principles in any of the work she does, whether it's asking you to be kind to yourself as a neighbor would, or as a friend would, or whether it's doing her meditations. She has the same three guiding principles. The first one is, this is a moment of suffering. This is a moment of that's hard for me right now. This is, this is tough for me right now. This is difficult. So acknowledging that is step one. Step two is acknowledging our common humanity. Suffering is a part of life. No one's going to escape it. It happens to all of us. I'm not the only one. And you can be general about this to say everyone suffers. Everyone has a hard time. Or you can even be specific to say, I'm not the only one in the world who's lost a spouse. I'm not the only one who's broken a toe. I'm not the only one suffering from cancer. And it makes you realize you're not alone in this world. 
The last part is to say, may I be kind to myself in this moment? So three steps again. This is a moment that's hard for me. I'm suffering right now. I'm hurting right now. Hurting and suffering is a part of life. No one's going to escape it. This is what it means to be human. I'm experiencing this because I'm human. It's, this is common to all humanity. I'm not the only one. And may I be kind to myself in this moment. And then let whatever flows out of that happen. However you be kind to yourself, let that just happen naturally. The last bit of research that I wanted to share comes from Paul Gilbert, who is who does compassion-focused therapy. So he brings compassion into therapy. He started compassion-focused therapy because when he was doing CBT, he found that as people reframed their cognitive thoughts, that CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy, as they reframed their thoughts, they were still not kind to themselves. So someone might come in with the thought of, I'm feeling really depressed and I just can't get my life together. And then they would reframe the thought to say, hmm, I'm not alone. My husband and family support me. And so I'm not going through this alone. But what they would do is they would say that in a mean way. Like, your husband and family support you. And so why can't you get together, stupid? Like, I don't understand what's going on. You've got all the support you need. And when he started realizing that even in reframing our thoughts to more positive thoughts, that people were still using them to beat themselves up, he knew he needed something different, so he developed compassion-focused therapy. His work really focuses on calling forth a compassionate self. You know how we all have parts of ourselves? And we'll say, well, part of me wants to go and part of me doesn't. That's because we have different needs and desires that conflict at the same time. That's normal for humans. And so he takes these different parts of ourselves and he asks us to call forth a compassionate part of ourselves. And he defines kind of what that compassionate part of ourselves might look like. And he wants us to personalize it, but he said a compassionate self is always going to have a little bit of wisdom. It's going to be strong. A compassionate self is not something that says, or someone that says, oh, honey, it's okay. I feel so sorry for you. Why don't you just go back to bed? Don't worry about it. And has you just, you know, bury your head under the covers. A compassionate self is wise and strong, but it's also very warm and understanding. It understands that things are hard for you right now. A compassionate self also has a sense of responsibility. A compassionate friend, for example, isn't just going to ignore someone's alcohol use that's totally destroying their lives. If they were really a true friend, they would talk to them about the responsibility that they have and bring their wisdom and strength into doing what they can do to help them to curb their alcoholism. And it may or may not work, but a compassionate friend wouldn't ignore that difficult thing that's affecting their lives. I really like this idea that a compassionate self is also a strong self. And so when we say to ourselves, well, part of me wants to and part of me doesn't, you can ask, all right, part of me that wants to, why do you want to? And as you listen to the answers, you learn new things. And then you can say, awesome, I've heard you. Part of me that doesn't want to. Why don't you want to? And you can listen to what your thoughts and ideas are about why you don't want to. Then you can bring up this compassionate self. And you can say, hey, if I had a compassionate part of me, what would that compassionate part of me say? That part of me that can tap into some wisdom and some strength and some responsibility and some warmth and understanding about what's going on. 
He even has people kind of personify it and to say, what does this compassionate part of you look like? Or maybe it's a color or a feeling, or maybe it's, you know, something like the warm sun or the ocean. And as you personify it, it makes it a little bit easier to practice calling it up when we're having a hard time. So back to our original advice, treat yourself the way you would a good friend. That's great advice. If you can find a way to implement it in a way that works for you, in a way that feels natural for you. Now, I want you to take a second while you're listening to this and do something. I want you to just fold your arms in front of you. You know, just cross your arms like you would hang there folding your arms in front of you. Now, fold your arms the other direction with the other hand going down and the other hand going up. Feels awkward, right? Well, half of you folded them one way the first time and half of you folded them the other way the first time. There's, there's no way to actually do it. And so when you do it differently, it feels awkward at first. Treating yourself the way you would treat a good friend might feel awkward at first. It might feel silly calling yourself Leanne, darling, honey. It might feel awkward calling up a compassionate part of you to say, okay, compassionate part of me, what do you think about this? But it doesn't take long at all for that new awkward thing to actually become really normal, for our brain to develop new pathways and, and new neurons that fire together. It becomes all of a sudden very natural and normal for us. And it trains our brains to be more compassionate to ourselves because we've had practice. So it says, oh, this must be what you want to do now. So the very best tip for learning how to be more compassionate to yourself and to talk to yourself the way a good friend would talk to you is to practice it now when you're not in the middle of a big beat up session, when you're not in the middle of being down on yourself. Just right now in normal life, practice calling up that compassion itself and seeing what it has to say about your life right now, just the way it is. Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. Have a great week and we'll see you for the next principle.